Hello and welcome to Weebspawn. We talk about anything and everything related to anime and gaming. We are by no means experts, just huge fans. I'm your host, Bobby, and with me is Joshua. Hello, Bobby. Glad to be doing another episode. In today's episode, we are going to be talking about solo leveling. And as always, oh, spoilers ahead. And we are only <laughs> going up to season one. Which, if you are currently reading, that is up to chapter 110. Yes, so I'm really excited about this one because you got me into this, and now I'm being <laughs> tortured by monthly releases, and it I is... I think it's weekly. Or Oh, yeah, 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 you're right. Weekly releases, and it is just terrible waiting. So, <sighs> yeah, stuck on that with you. So, Solo Leveling, for those of you who don't know, is a South Korean web novel written by, and I I don't really know Korean pronunciation that well, so I apologize if I get any of these names wrong, but it's written by Chu Gong, and it was serialized in Kakao's digital comic and fiction platform, Kakao Page, since uh, July 25th of 2016. And then it was later published by DNC Media under their papyrus label uh, since November 4th of 2016. The novel has since been licensed in English by Web Novel under the title I Only Level Up. Or, sorry, Only I Level Up. The web adaptation, the Webtoon adaptation, has been serialized in the Kakao page since March uh, 4th of 2018. And it was illustrated by Gang, uh, Gong... Song Rock, aka Dubu, I think I pronounced that right, who is the CEO of Red Ice Studios. In the first season, or so the first season of Solo Leveling concluded in March 19th of 2020. Its second season resumed serialization uh, on August 1st of 2020. The individual chapters were collected and published by DNC Media into three volumes that were released as of july of 2020 as well so yeah solo leveling has been extremely popular among many different countries now and i believe it's getting an animated version soon if i'm not mistaken is that correct do you remember we'll save that a little bit well i guess it doesn't matter (laughs) But yes, there is rumors of a anime being in the works. Gotcha. Yes, so that is a uh, pretty exciting on like that's really exciting to me just because you got me obsessed with this and now the fact that I'm going to be able to rewatch it, it or well, watch it instead of read it is going to be just it's going to add to the excitement because I'm going to be looking for some of those iconic battles that we've seen and oh i can't wait oh it's gonna be so good but we if can talk about that a little later yeah if it's anything i if i'm not mistaken tower of god that just recently got an anime i think last season like like last anime season was also a manhwa which mm-hmm. is just korean manga how yeah. japanese called it manga western it's pretty much called comics Korean it's manhwa so like those little difference so if you hear us say manhwa it's not that we're not pronouncing manga it's because it's Korean mm-hmm. so it's actually 
called Manwa or however the pronunciation is. Yeah. Also, I'd like to um, point out real quick, since it's probably obvious at this point, that we're obviously not doing an episode on um, an anime. We're actually doing it on a Manwa, which we thought this would be a very interesting take on this episode because we've never done a manga or manhwa episode yet so we thought this would be a good one to start with since we both really love this one and hopefully if you guys do enjoy it we are more than willing to do more like mangas we're probably even we do have a few that we want to cover that haven't been in anime adaptation but like even some like horimiya that became an anime was something i read before as a manga so obviously if we see uh, a new anime coming out we may do it or we might do another thing where if i've read the manga and he's only seen the anime we might do what like the differences and stuff like that going forward so those of you who don't actually know what solo leveling is which I don't know if I would count that as a surprise. It's been really popular lately, so I mean, you I, may have I heard of say, it. Yeah, I was gonna say I wouldn't say it's a surprise because before you sh- showed it to me, I had never even heard of it. Yeah, I, I guess know. that's true. Their advertising department isn't really big. I would say I, I think I'm seeing more advertisements for it now than I have beforehand. I think Maybe it's definitely even picked the last up. couple months. Yeah, I think it's definitely picked up because of it coming, like you said, August was when it came back up in season two, and with everyone still, like, stuck at home and stuff, or, like, still, Mm -hmm. for the most part, being at home, I feel like it's been picked up since season one, and just to let you guys know, there is, like, 170 chapters out right now? That sounds right, yeah. Like, right around there. And it's still ongoing. So, if you guys want to... Like we said, we're only going up to chapter 110, which is the season one finale. So, if you guys want to continue reading with us, we'll be mm-hmm. more than happy to uh, share some thoughts and stuff on new episodes. But, before going too off-tangent, if you don't know what solo leveling is, the world takes place in pretty much Korea, after the appearance of portals known as gates, connecting the world to monster, the world of monsters to humans, and a small portion of the population has acquired superhuman powers to defend against the monsters. The protagonist of the story, Sung Jin Woo, hoping I pronounced that right, <laughs> is a member of the lowest rank of hunters and is the weakest hunter in all of South Korea barely stronger than a normal human. One day, he and some other hunters find themselves trapped in an extremely dangerous and rare dual dungeon, and only a few of them manage to survive and escape. Sungju Wu himself, quote-unquote, dies, but manages to complete all the trials in the dungeon. He then wakes up in a hospital and finds he has turned into a reawakened player who can now see an interface interface showing him quests stats inventory store and levels along with the unique ability ability to grow exponentially stronger sung jean Wu begins on a quest to become the strongest hunter in the world and uncover the mysteries of the world of monsters so it's going to be one of those types that have like a game interface 
but not everyone knows about it. But don't if if you think that like if you think it's gonna be kind of like a regular like isekai or something with the game interface, you are gonna be sorely mistaken. I'm just gonna tell you that yeah. right now. Yeah, I was very surprised with the choice of a gaming interface because there's actually nothing really gaming about this manhwa. I it's just something that I was expecting something else going into it. When I was first started it, I was kind of like weirded out when he was able to pull up the game interface and I'm like, oh, this is just a video game type thing. But it's very real in the terms of their world. Like the interface is only something he could see. So I don't know. It's just, I, I they explain it a little later, spoilers, sort of, um, of why he sees it and everything. But it gives you this weird perspective of it's going to be a video game manhwa, but it's just not. And I actually really enjoy it for what it is rather than being a video game. I don't know. I'm not a big video game fan when it comes to manga and anime and stuff. So it was refreshing to know that it wasn't going in that direction. Yeah. If I had to compare it, think of it like Don Machi or the mm -hmm. is it oh, wrong yeah. to pick up girls in a dungeon where it's their world they have statuses and everything like that mm -hmm. except in this world typically your power doesn't grow like you get evaluated and you become like c rank d rank a rank b rank and that's what you are like you cannot grow you can learn new skills and stuff like that based on like your job so like if you were a knight you could learn different sword skills but you could not if you were b rank you can never go to a rank so that's kind of the world it's set in and then also a difference between don machi and this is this one has a lot more darker tone than mm -hmm. don machi it's not one is and it's also not a harem too so don't i just wanted the world system i wanted to compare it to other than that it's it's really different. <laughs> yeah, it's sort of the same in the, like the aspects of the the system, and also the fact that the the dungeons are different, but it's also similar. You go into the dungeons to earn money and kill monsters, but Don Machi the dungeons are stationary, whereas uh, solo leveling the dungeons are spontaneously spawned. So there's a difference in that aspect, but the idea of the dungeons are sort of similar in my yeah. eyes yeah exactly and as i've made very apparent that any other fellow weed spawners should know that fantasy is by far my favorite genre so if you <laughs> think i'm being biased by this well i also got him to get into it so that should yeah. one easily point <laughs> you out yeah i have a very weird genre like niche that i really enjoy Fantasy usually doesn't fall into my like my views as a favorite often. It has to be really good and this one like jumped to the top of my list in manga or manhwa that I have just really thoroughly enjoyed. So, even though it's fantasy, it's in this setting that is just so relatable and just very cool. And I think the cuz you mentioned this is very dark tones that first couple chapters set that dark tone real quick. So we'll, yeah. we'll talk about that a little later. So I just wanted to point that out and kind of uh, 
support your claim of this being <laughs> a very a very good fantasy. Yeah, one thing before we finally get into the story, I just want to mention one thing that also draws me is the main character himself. He won, as we mentioned, he starts out the weakest of the week. Honestly, he doesn't stay weak because that would pretty much be a pretty boring story. He does become stronger, but he does it over time. There's a lot of, at the very beginning, to me, it feels like almost if you were playing like an MMO. He starts out very weak in the beginning. But then once he gets through a certain like power level, he kind of spikes and is able to like cruise control through a little bit, then runs into some trouble and then cruise control kind of like over it. So he slowly becomes more powerful. He does it. It's not just a big spike. Mm -hmm. They do it really well. And then also he's smart about it. He doesn't immediately flaunt his power. He actually tries to hide it until he physically can't. It's not like one of those stupid main characters that is already stupidly overpowerful and then tries to be weak or like hides the fact. And then even after he shows off his powers, he still claims, oh, no, I'm weak or anything like that. Once he gets to a point, he goes, all right, now it's time to show like officially come out. Hey, I'm this powerful dude. And then the last thing a bit is a lot of times with like these fantasy mangas, whenever there's a main character who's so OP, you have a king, principal, guild master, someone that basically forces the main character to help out even if they were going to do it or if they were trying to live like a normal life. They are almost forced into action. This doesn't really happen. He actually decides when he wants to help. He can actually be selfish at times, which I think fit perfectly with his character, but mm-hmm. then he's selfish, selflessness at other times. So I just love the like duality they like gave him. Like yes. he actually he actually seems relatable and smart. And, yeah, I was I was gonna say that that's what makes this character so likable is because he's so real. Because there's times where not everyone would just jump at the fact of oh I'm gonna help out here I'm gonna help out there. Like you're a person you're gonna want to say no you're gonna want to do what you want to do sometimes, and that's what makes him so realistic is because you're like yes like. He does say no because he's not someone who wants to just throw his life on the line for some random acts. Like, yeah, I just think it's it, they made his character. They've wrote his character so well. And enough, kind of <laughs> trying to convince you with it. Let's <laughs> get into a, the story now, so you can actually feel how much it is. Like we said, there's going to be major spoilers ahead. Because we're going to be talking about pretty much all of season one and a lot of our like moments. So, as we mentioned, we start off the meeting Sung Jin Woo, who is introduced as the weakest of the weak, literally. He is the bottom of the barrel, but he continues to fight because we learn his mother has fallen into an illness called eternal slumber, which is basically a coma-like state, and that she won't ever like wake up from and now he's trying to provide for his family because his father has been missing for 10 years after a gay incident so he has become the quote-unquote man of the family he also has a little sister that is like i think only like a year or pretty close in age we are introduced to gates as we mentioned earlier and that this is classified as d rank the second weakest to e 
However, after clearing it, it seems the dungeon is a rare dual dungeon. After a little discussion, this party of D-Rankers decide to press on instead of turning back. But as soon as they enter the room, they are locked in with numerous statues around that start to kill anyone that makes a wrong, wrong move. Luckily, Jinwoo cracks the code of the riddle, though many have died already. And during the last part where everyone, everyone has to go to this like center and these like lights go up, it's almost like a timer basically. During the last part, everyone ends up abandoning him to save themselves instead of trying to stick together. And he ultimately dies. Except, he doesn't stay dead for long. So he gets a notification of sorts that he has completed the dungeon before he passes out. Yeah, so Jin Woo wakes up somehow alive after the. Well, okay, first off, before I jump into this next part, I just want to say this for the, like this first couple chapters of the double dungeon people just getting massacred that was just such a nervous moment for me like i wasn't even invested in the story yet because it was so it was the beginning of the book or the the mama i was so nervous for these people and then people were just getting massacred and i was utterly shocked by everything i it set the tone so well for this manga manhwa and i absolutely loved it so fun and as i've said many times before in the past i love dark games i like dark shows so this really was like in my alley because of the murder it was great so jean Wu wakes up somehow alive in a hospital bed after all of that and some members of the Hunters Association actually comes and visits him. And they're here to kind of keep Hunters in check as much as they can. So they come and reevaluate Jin Woo, claiming that he was actually reawakened. Well, yeah, they're, they're claiming it. But after testing him, they see that he is still extremely weak. And they're like, well, all right, I guess you're not reawakened. So they leave. And after that... He sees this game-like interface appear before him, and it says it it's giving him to a quest to become stronger. But he becomes aware that he's the only person that can see this. But thinking it's nothing, he kind of just ignores it for the rest of the night. Which, I don't know how you would. Even if I just woke up, possibly have like a concussion or something from whatever just happened <laughs> in that double dungeon, I wouldn't just be like, hmm, an interface is sitting in front of me. This is a hallucination. Like Maybe I would, but it just seems too strange to just ignore it. But whatever. I mean, you so, also have to think of, in his point, he basically died all that mental stress and everything, even after just waking up and dealing with that. He was probably like, you know what? I'm too tired to even think about this. <laughs> true. I just want to go back to bed. Yeah, he's probably physically exhausted. He just watched a bunch of his like clan mate not clan mates but like group mates just get massacred he's the only survivor so yeah maybe he's just like this is the least of my concerns right now so he abruptly is awakened and he gets teleported to the scorching desert with these huge killer centipede like monsters as a punishment for not doing his daily quest and he must survive for four hours. 
I, I believe it was four hours. And yeah, somehow he managed to survive, even though he is extremely weak and can't really do a whole lot. But he's very diligent. And after that, he's like, I'm not going to miss a daily quest ever again because I don't want to face that punishment. So after some time in the hospital, he's doing his daily quest. He's becoming stronger and he's actually starting to change his appearance physically, like just from improving and everything, his size, his like height, his strength, they're all getting uh, improved. And after all of this, he is finally able to get an award, a reward for completing all these challenges and getting stronger. So his reward is a dungeon key for the rank for a rank E dungeon that he must face alone, which it may not seem that big of a deal. It's a rank E dungeon, but he is the strongest hunter out there. And then on top of that, or sorry, he's, he's the weakest hunter. out there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> sorry. He is the weakest hunter out there. And dungeons almost always have a team going into them. Even like the semi-low ones, you don't go in alone. So as the weakest hunter out there, he's given a key for a dungeon. And he has to go in all alone. And he's never really won a fight before, basically, because he's so pathetic. So that's it's kind of a big deal, even though it doesn't seem that big of a deal. So yeah, it's... It's very interesting, but it also gets you excited because you're like, okay, you're kind of seeing what this interface is doing. It's making him grow. Obviously, as the name would suggest of the Manuel, it's solo leveling, so he's leveling up. But then you're going to actually start seeing what these rewards are and what is going on within the dungeons and him fighting. So it just it's starting to add a little bit of complexity to his character that I really enjoy. And like the rewards are straight up like quest rewards like if you were like i mentioned like an mmo when you complete something you usually get like armor weapon gold something and like for him he gets i think his health restored some ability points Mm -hmm. and then like something else but that's like the basic goal that he has to do daily and this is something he has to continuously do because it will come back up later in the story it's not just something he does once he has to continuously always do this daily quest, which is, I believe it was like, what, 10 push-ups, 10 sit-ups, 10 kilometer run, <laughs> and 10 something. So which I absolutely at first was hard. Um, I absolutely loved the fact that those were the objectives because that was definitely a reference to One Punch Man. Because, oh, 100%. yeah, because of uh, um. I don't even remember One Punch's real name. My God, Saitama. Saitama. Yeah, Sa- Saitama's. Uh, every day he would train and do. I a think his was hundred run, hundred push-ups, hundred. Yeah. yeah. But it was just this fun thing because I'm reading. I'm like, wait a second, this looks vaguely <laughs> familiar. I just thought that was fun. But yeah, it, they, yeah, like you said though, they were they're fairly simple, but they were difficult for him at first because he was so weak. So we finally get a taste of him going into the dungeon and like we said he struggles at first because he again is the weakest of the weak but because he's now what's considered a player from the system after killing monsters one he gains a new title called like 
Beast Slayer or something like that. So he's like any attack done to beast type monsters gets an additional like 6.5% increase or something like that. And as he's leveling up, he's able to increase his attributes and he gets stronger and stronger. And then he even makes like a reference how it's like monsters that show the name in white are easy, orange are difficult, and red are like insane, like above your level. So orange would be like probably a couple levels above you, white is weaker, red is levels above you. So we kind of get a little bit of that game-esque and him getting some like item drops and stuff. So that's where the game-esque system comes into play, but that's pretty much it. And I think it's funny, well, I'll wait until a little after to explain something I thought was kind of off-putting about the system once we get there. But as you mentioned earlier, his body becomes taller and more muscular due to him. He assumes from his strength stat and everything. But we also get his first taste of a boss-type monster and how he struggled at first. But then you kind of get the, I guess, this is where I feel like he truly reawakens he does his little flashback montage and is like he needs to become stronger and he finally succeeds and he's able to get a new weapon and then after that he finally decides to take his training seriously and that's why i consider this like his true like re his reawakening which i think was dubbed double awakening in the world of solo leveling and now, after his double awakening, like I mentioned before, this is a part of him I enjoyed, is that instead of flaunting his powers, he actually gave it some thought and decided to hide his powers and to slowly test them out to see what his limits are, to see how he can slowly become stronger because he knows in this world, strength means power pretty much because even though there's a Hunter Association Bureau, whatever it's called, that tries to keep hunters under control, there are other guilds as well and they pretty much have more power or the same if not more power than the hunter association because they also have s rank hunters so in this world it's pretty much like the strength is what gets you and he knows that so he doesn't want to just flaunt his powers saying like oh hey i'm a new hunter that can infinitely level up so this leads him to join a C-rank dungeon where he meets two characters, one being Huang Dong Suk and the other being Yo Jin Ho. The latter, I guess you can say being more important as he's the only dink or he is a lower D-ranker, but is he has a wealthy father and he will come into play a little later. The former being a C rank and is the leader of this group for this expedition. Well, at first the dungeon starts out normal until we find out that Huang is actually trying to kill our fellow protagonist using the dungeon boss. Because what accidents that happen in the game, pretty much nobody can prove. So you could kill a hunter and blame it on a monster and then you can't really... They can't really dispute that because when you beat the boss, the gate closes. So you can't investigate pretty much any murders that go on. So, but unfortunately for him, Jin Wu is able to not only defeat the boss, 
but he manages to kill the others as well. Except for the D-rank Yojin, who, who he managed to make friends with. However, doing so means he, unbeknownst to him, he has incurred the wrath of an S-rank hunter, Huang Dun Su, who is the little brother of Huang Dong Suk that he killed, who now wants to kill Jin Wu. Yeah, so this was like one of those times where you get to see how the interface sort of reacts to this type of challenge. Because in, in this dungeon, when the ill intent and like murderous, the murderous intent of Huang Dong Suk showed up, the system like told uh, Jin Wu that that he was about to be attacked or whatever and Dong Suk was going to kill or try to kill him. So either he had to kill Dong Suk or be killed. And because if he didn't kill Dong Suk, the system's like, your heart will stop. It's like, oh, okay, so you're giving me no (laughs) choice. I have to murder this guy. That's cool. Thanks. Like, I can't just incapacitate him. It's like, kill your enemy. Cool. But it kind of shows the darker, like, again, the darker side of the hunters. And some of them aren't there just for hunting monsters and getting money. Some just have, well, I mean, this one is all about hunting monsters, but getting money, getting the loot, and not splitting it with anybody. So, I don't know. It was just a fun way to incorporate the system with Jin uh, Jin Wu's character, but also show like he's gonna have enemies along the way. He's gonna have a lot of conflict, and now he has the conflict of an S rank hunter, which will come into play a little later. But it's just kind of crazy to see he just did this reawakening, and now he is his life has changed because everything he's doing seems to throw him into more trouble because he had that punishment where he had to uh, survive for four hours, and now he has this hunter in the in this dungeon that was trying to kill him, and now he's going to have an S-rank hunter. So he's just getting into more trouble after this reawakening. It's almost like if he just didn't show up to that dungeon that day, his life would have been a lot more simple. <laughs> One thing I also want to say about this as well is that they do a good job of actually bringing in like multiple characters. Mm-hmm. Yes, they and- do keeping them relatively important to the story mm-hmm. even if they're they seem minor they will play like a pretty big role in an event or something like that so even if they don't have screen time they still like you still get a feel for this character and their importance to the story so that's another thing that i really enjoyed about this and if you guys decide to read it, we're not going to go over every little detail, but it actually has so much lore in this story and like the little details and everything that really immerse you in this world. And I think that is also one of the few reasons why it just brings you in as these characters actually feel lifelike. And this incident right here, it kind of shows you the darker side of Hunters. In a lot of animes, you may not even see this, or they may just be like, oh, they're bandits, or like stuff like this. But no, now you know, like, even in this world, people, greed, emotion still takes over people, even as hunters, where you have to trust 
put your trust to have the back of other hunters in this literally kill or be killed situation, yet there's still people that take advantage of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so even though after this little run-in, his his bad luck really doesn't seem to change. It, it just keeps coming. He's getting ready for a new dungeon now, and he sees some familiar faces like uh, Lee Jolhee, who was a healer during his double layer incident. Because, yeah, I guess um, not everyone died. I thought everyone died, but no, just like a, a lot of people died. There was I. I want to say like there was probably like mid twenties to like thirty people, and I think mm-hmm. eight survived. Yeah, that that sounds right. I forgot that a few did. But yeah, so he sees this Lee Jo Hee, who was the healer during this incident, as well as Song Chi Yu, who was acting as the leader at the time. But he has um, one less arm now. Yeah, tragic. So along with a few others that also accompanied them, there are death row inmates that are being supervised by a member of the Hunters Bureau to ensure that nothing happens. But, of course, that quickly changes as the hunter in charge of looking after the inmate mercilessly starts killing them off. And a few of the others uh, leading Jinwoo to finish them off. So, yeah, it's kind of fucked up because, like, you're going into this dungeon and they just start killing these people. It's just, like, more... This is still more insight to the darker vibes that the hunters do while in dungeons because you can get away with virtually anything. So, not to mention, this was actually a hunter bureau agent, and yeah. he claimed like, "Oh, these guys were death row inmates. What's the matter if I kill them anyways?" Like, yeah, it's, it's like whatever. Bro, that's not how this works. <laughs> you can't just do that. And like, you think it would start getting suspicious that anytime this guy brings death row inmates, they all seem to die. But you know, whatever. No, no investigations can be held because the dungeons disappear. So. Yeah. So this starts happening, kind of like a little little thing goes on, but he starts to show his real strength to his uh, past party members, and they kind of agree to keep quiet and fool the Bureau, claiming that they killed the assailants to repay Jinwoo for what he did for them in the past. So he kind of, like, saves the day a little bit, kind of being the hero here, and his old teammates are like, you know... We're not going to tell people about this. We're just going to keep quiet, kind of let you lay low. Because that's, like you said, his goal right now is to not let people know of his abilities. Because it's un- unknown to anybody that you, you can level up. He's the only one that is able to improve his skills. So it's in his best interest to keep it quiet as long as he can. So and to also give people a little bit of reference real quick... He's still classified as an E-rank hunter. Oh, yeah. So that's one of the reasons why he doesn't want to show off his powers. If you were like, oh, why didn't he, like, won't be able, because this hunter, I forgot to mention, like, to put in the thing. He's a B-rank. Lee Jin-woo was a B-rank healer, and Sung Chi-yu is a C-rank mage. So So the fact that an E-rank killed him is, like, virtually impossible. So they decide, hey, we'll we'll take the credit for killing him 
because it could seem plausible because with a B-rank healer and a C-rank musician, it could seem plausible to kill a B-rank assassin for a little bit anyways. But that's why they're like, thanks for saving us. We'll make sure to keep you quiet. Uh, we won't tell anyone about like what happened. So yeah. if you guys were wondering why he's also trying to keep his power. Yes. So after all this happens, like things kind of, it kind of chills out. Everything's good. And he finally actually seems to catch a break now. So he decides to team up with uh, Yo Jin Ho, which is that wealthy kid from earlier who has that really wealthy father who almost died back in that dungeon with uh, Dong Dong Suk. Yeah. Yeah, Hong Dong Suk. So, yeah, he shows up again. They team up and hopefully they want to um, kind of form like a pact and hopefully build a guild in the future because with him as the financer and Jun Wu as the muscle, they think they'll do a pretty good job and it's really good to have lots of money. So it's kind of a mutual little thing. So these two actually start clearing C rank dungeons day after day by themselves, which he finally levels up to a point to where he gets a job request. And now he can become even stronger. But he doesn't really know what awaits him. So this is, again, starting to incorporate a little more. He's leveling up. He's getting stronger. So maybe we're going to start seeing a little more interesting dungeons and missions and stuff like that. Yeah, and this is an important fact to realize right now about yo jin who reaching out to him about trying to right now i don't i don't believe at this point in time they were talking about a guild but basically they talked about teaming up because in order to like do high rank guilds you need a party to form but then you also need money and like yo jin who has his own reasons for doing this and then obviously jin um, Jin woo has his own reasons for doing it but they're like mutually beneficial reasons even though their goals aren't exactly aligned so those are again these little details that oh they always seem to bring back that you may not realize but then they bring it back is another great way for storytelling Mm -hmm. then we finally get into i think one of the best parts of season one when we are introduced to the job quest dungeon where he finally gets his long-awaited powers as like you can see from like the cover art and everything as if he wasn't already strong enough (laughs) one of his first battles he is is with red knight egress i want to say is how you pronounce it that's how i pronounced it and though he has leveled up considerably and i believe he thinks he's at the rank of like c rank or b rank one of those two Ingress, I believe, is at the power of B rank right now. If I'm not, I forget what level. I'm pretty sure he starts at level B rank. But he is barely able to beat him. It was actually a pretty intense fight scene. So it's one of my favorite fight scenes, like this whole like arc. If you guys had to at least read one arc, definitely read the job change arc. I don't know exactly what it's called, but something like that. 
He's barely able to lie. And this is the one complaint I have about the system that I mentioned earlier. So I don't know if you remember, but he got equipment. And when he got them, he put them on and then they disappeared. But they were still there to give him his effects. So I was like, okay, I can see that like being maybe because they're items not from this world or whatever. But then they never show that like ever again. As far as I know. Can you recall um, any other time he like gets anything and like he puts it on or whatever and like it shows anything? It's like they show the potential of it like and then they kind of like, you know what? That looks too game like. Let's not do that. Yeah, I don't. I can't. I think you're. that's a good point because I don't remember any other points where it was like that. Granted, I can understand if there were other items like made by hunters like already in the real world and that's why he has to wear those or that's why he has to use those weapons. Completely understand. And I thought maybe that like they were exclusive to like the system own items or like even the store items. But he never ever buys like any more armor or anything yeah, like no, that. So he it's like doesn't. I think he just yeah, I don't... So it's like they put that in, and then they kind of decide, oh, wait, I think that's too game-like, and they kind of, like, stopped it, which I think it's fine. Like, I don't... I'm personally glad they didn't. It just kind of... Yeah, I would agree. It's weird how they, like, put it in there and then kind of just never talked about it ever mm -hmm. again. <laughs> yeah, they they kind of, I think, shied away from that because they, they went more to an award reward system where sometimes he got to choose his reward rather than, like, purchase something i guess that's right i guess that's more so true maybe maybe they decided to maybe they're like oh i don't like the purchasing thing let's just go to he can choose rewards because i think that's how he got his potions which yeah i don't i don't know if we talked about that in this one uh well he hasn't uh i guess this is kind of where he started using his potions after like his battle with the red knight he buys like health potions that he's able to like recover this is this is also i guess this is probably why it's also one of the bigger scenes because this also gives you a big more overlay of how the system works mm -hmm. how he's able to use the store to buy items and everything not just quest rewards and everything so after he defeats the red knight he goes on to the move to like the last part and he has to fight an infinitely spawning knights and he actually is like just about to die when he gets transported to the penalty zone if you guys remember from earlier before he went into this job quest dungeon he actually didn't complete his daily quests and now here, because as he was in that zone, it was like locked. Basically, the zone was like you had to fight on your own power. You couldn't use the the system got blocked. You couldn't use the store. You couldn't use items. You had to fight on your own strength. But now in this penalty zone, all that was lifted. So he ends up leveling up, refueling him, fully restored himself with all this with the potions and he actually buys a new dagger and now when he gets back after the time limit is done he comes back and he was able to kill the remaining people no problem and when he finally completes the dungeon he earns the job originally necromancer 
which is considered a hidden job, he accepts it, and because of his overwhelming success, it evolves to the superior job, Shadow Monarch. And with this, he can call forth shadows of deceased creatures and bring them into what is known as his Shadow Army. The only catch is, he can only do so depending on his level, the cost of mana to bring them back to life when they die, and he can only have three attempts at extracting a shadow. And one of his first members to like basically officially get recognized is the Red Knight Ingress, which he finally convinces him to become a warrior, which he drops basically the Red Knight and it is only going to be called Ingress. And we learned that there's different ranks in shadows. There's normal, which were like the foot soldiers. Elites were the mages. And then knight rank, which was Ingress. And so he finally gets his little like power spike. And just when things are starting to look up, he gets involved with the White Tigers Guild on an expeditionary dungeon, which ends up turning into a red dungeon. Now, a red dungeon is one that is higher than what it was originally measured. In this case, I believe the dungeon started out as either B or C rank. But also, a thing about red dungeons is you can't escape it unless you clear the dungeon. Normal dungeons, you can kind of enter and exit as you please. And then if you defeat the boss monster, it closes. Red dungeons doesn't lead you there. And the reason why he's even here in the first place is his sister has a friend who wants to be a hunter and quit school, but she's only E-rank. So he basically took her on this mission to show her the what it's like being E-rank at the lowest, that you can't really make a living as an E-rank and to continue school. But now with this dangerous thing, now it's his mission to protect her and bring her back safely. But one also thing about that red dungeons is nobody knows what the area will be like it could be a desolate desert a murky swamp or in this case a frozen forest inhabited by snow elves who are known to be one of the most deadliest creatures you can find the group decides to split up leaving all the c and d ranks by themselves with jin Wu, because like we mentioned earlier he's still e rank and the a and b ranks go off on their own to try to clear it well, they end up failing miserably and are all wiped out besides the leader, who in return ends up actually trying to kill Jin Wu, claiming it's his fault they lost. Well, he ends up dying, and but he becomes part of his shadow army, and once again, Jin Wu clears the gate by himself, showing his tremendous power, and now starting to be unable to hide his true strength. <clears throat> Yeah, this was a really like cool scene because I mean we we know gates already, so you can come in and out as you please and do whatever you want. The moment they made it a red gate was sweet because you're just like, oh shit! Like they're trapped in there. They need to finish this in order to escape. So it adds a lot of like tension in it. And then, like you said, like everyone got wiped out. So how would Jin Woo? get out of this without showing his strength because there's no way a supposedly e-rank hunter would be able to defeat to beat this dungeon with a couple other low rank hunters if the a and b ranks just got wiped out there's just no way that it's possible so 
yeah, it's it's starting to like really amp up because you can kind of feel the stress like, oh, what's going to happen when they find out that he can level up or what are what are they going to do when they find out he actually is awakened? Because I feel like from when I was reading this, I'm like, he's going to get a lot of targets on his back. If all of a sudden, he's like this super strong hunter. It, it's going to give him some flack. So I think that was um, starting to get a little questionable here about what's going to happen. And a little things I want to quickly mention that we didn't really talk about. Obviously, we're not going too in-depth in the fighting scenes. I highly suggest you read those because they are really good. But also, kind of like the little details we mentioned as like the target on his back. He already has, if I'm not mistaken, I think after this incident, the White Tigers Guild leader wants to recruit him. But not only that, he gets the eye of, like, another people. So, not just Target to, like, want to fight him like the Hung, Hung Dong Su who wants to kill him. But he also gets people who actually wants to form an alliance with him, too. So, there's a lot of background stuff we're not going over entirely. But they are become, like, important details. So, again, something left to the readers for you guys to enjoy as well. Yeah, he is definitely um, kind of getting a little famous here. A lot of eyes are starting to get on him because he's... I think a lot of eyes started getting on him when he was able to just clear out C-rank dungeons with a two-man team. So that like kind of showed that he is stronger than he was originally measured. But nobody really knew how strong. And this gate, I think, is the the point where people are realizing, oh, he's uh, he's pretty up there. So, basically, through all that, the incident manages to um, give give him the ability to get another key. Because he went through this, and it's like, alright, here's another key to an instant dungeon. But this one is going to be called the Demon Castle. So, yeah, I mean, it sounds pretty terrifying. But we don't really... We don't really quite know how strong he is yet, so we don't know if he's even capable. Like, what's the level of this dungeon? How, How is it going to play out? So, there he learns of a recipe called the Holy Water of Life. And he learns that this can cure his mother's illness. Because she has that eternal slumber that we talked about earlier in this episode. So, of course, he goes in after making some precautions and he kind of just starts chugging through these floors. There's multiple levels of demons and demon floors, and he's kind of just going through it. Though he starts to run into problems as he gets higher. There are more flames, stronger enemies, and it's just kind of giving him a little run for his money because he's not quite strong enough to get to the top yet, but he was able to make work of them. So it basically is just getting harder as he goes so he needs to take a little more precaution and be a little more um just be a little more strategic about it so without being able to neg uh, negate the effects of these flames he will continuously take damage so now he needs more money to buy new equipment but uh he can't really buy this equipment without going to a place that isn't for E-ranked hunters, if that makes sense. So 
basically for his level, he's not able to get the equipment he needs. He needs to get reevaluated as a stronger hunter so that he's able to get the equipment he needs for this dungeon. So he actually goes to get reevaluated. He's confident with his strength and he thinks he's at a point to where he doesn't need to hide it anymore. So he does get reevaluated and the machine that does this, that like measures your magic power or your rank, it can't even measure him. He is above the the threshold. He is basically as strong as some of the strongest hunters. So he's asked to wait three days for a new testing machine or for a new test in general. But in the meantime, the chairman of the Hunter Bureau actually comes and explains to him that he is the newest S rank hunter. And the three days were merely a way to let the Bureau talk to the other or talk to hunters before they join a guild. So basically they wanted to um, talk to him before any other hunters know how strong he is so that they don't like snipe him up and snatch him into their guild. So with this, the Bureau actually offers him a spot in the Bureau and he refuses and says he needs to get or he needs he refuses because he needs to get stronger to conquer the demon castle so he can get that holy water to cure his mother. So he's got objectives and he's he's pretty set on those. His mother's the most important thing to him right now. He wants to heal her. So he's not going to procure a spot in the bureau. I think he kind of knows the hand he's been dealt, honestly. He's at a point to where he's like I'm strong. They're offering me a position in the bureau. I want to create my own guild. So I'm not worried about other guilds coming to get me. And if the Bureau really wants me, the position will still be there when I get back. So I need to go do my thing and maybe figure things out for myself later after that. Yeah, one thing I did like, again, showing his like wits is he actually did consider joining. Like he didn't mm-hmm. think the offer was bad. The only his only issue was that the hunter bureau usually is just in charge of leftover gates which tend to be like the highest c rank maybe a few b rank every like now and then but anything higher like a ranks b ranks even an s rank gate are generally bought after from other guilds because guild have to buy rights to the gates and he knows that so he basically declines his offer but i think it's here but he he basically says I can't work with you, but if you need help, let me know. And he kind of almost like forms an alliance with this chairman. So mm-hmm. he's basically saying, though I can't join you, that doesn't mean I won't help you. He just, like he, like you mentioned, he wants to cure his mother because he always puts his family first before everything. As I'll mention a little um, in a little bit. But I thought that part of him was really cool too. Yeah. Yeah, he's very strategic in the things that he does. He's, he calculates, he basically figures out the risk and the reward of everything, and he chooses the one that's going to work best for him at the moment. And then again, like you mentioned, once he started getting to a spot where he couldn't really like hide his powers, now he's officially going out to make it public so people can't strong arm him anymore. And I think that's another like thing I really like about him as a character. So soon after this evaluation, where he says he's not going to join any guilds or anything, he actually joins up with the Hunter Guild. (laughs) But 
not as a hunter, but part of the mining team, which this puzzles the chairman because he learned about it and he's like, wait, he's going as the mining team? And so everyone's pretty much confused at his actions because pretty much only he knows what is up. And yeah. well, before you go on, I just I do want to say I thought this was really weird because he's wanting to get stronger. And my only thought was, like, how are you going to get stronger by just being on the mining team? I didn't understand his motives at the time. So yeah, I believe if I'm not mistaken, I believe the reason also he he wanted to see what an A ring dungeon was like because he's never been to one. Mm-hmm. So he wanted to see what it was like. And, like, with them, what happens is they have a whole team that goes and exterminates monsters, leads everything but the boss monster, and then there's, like, the crystals that you can extract for money and then also harvest the dead monsters. So there's, like, multiple teams that go and work this. So he's finally getting experience, and then they ask him to join on another quest that the second team the like B team is going for, which also has A ranks and B rank hunters, just no S rank. So as he goes, he joins them as a porter, which is a person that just carries like luggage and stuff for them. And of course, with him, you know, nothing can just go smoothly in a dungeon. What happens is high orcs show up, which is another really strong enemy, just like the snow elves. And they end up trapping the team in the dungeon and they are forced to go to the boss room where hundreds wait for them. While everyone else is possessed with fear, except the leader, surprisingly, he was able to like kind of overcome his fear to try and make an attack, but ultimately fail. Jinru asks him, he's like, hey, this is under your guild's jurisdiction. I don't want to be like involved. He basically tried to do the legal way, but he's like, if you allow me, I will kill everyone here and save your team. And of course... He agrees, and again, we get this really cool fight sequence. And he this is where he kind of like shows off his powers as he extracts shadows of the high orcs and just get even when they die, they come back because of his mana. And everyone witnesses his power and the birth of the new S rank. He even manages to get the boss of the shadow, the boss's shadow, which he in turn, names Tusk. So I think this was another great sequence. It's hard to explain it. You just have to really see it to get its like full in-depth thing. Just think of it. The boss had an army and he had an army. It was two armies clashing. That's the, probably the best way I can describe it without just like spoiling everything. There's some things I think you guys need to read them yourselves. So... After he clears the dungeon, the news breaks out that he is the newest S-rank hunter. But when everyone's trying to get a hold of him, he seems to just disappear. Where to? Back to the demon castle. With his new powers and skills and new allies now, he's able to try and conquer it once and for all. Here we learn a little bit more about the system as well. When he encounters demons with a conscience, conscience and tries to ask them questions but after so many questions he gets interrupted in almost like a bot like saying or whatever and after that he slowly begins to make progress towards the demon lord and again after another intense fight he manages to kill him 
getting his demon blood drop, and he's finally able to craft the holy water. So now we get to the finale of season one. The Jeju, Jeju? I think it's Island. Uh, yeah, Jeju, Jeju. Jeju Island Raid, which S-rankers from all the world gathered to take part. But all except one, Jinwoo. He actually decides to sit out and stay with his family. After all, his mother finally awakes after being in a coma for years. He wants to make sure his family's protected because I believe before this incident as well, there were some monsters that invaded his little sister's school. And so he was just barely able to like get there in time to protect her. So he's being very protective of his family. However, he is forced to make a room, um, a move, when an S-rank monster ant is shown slaughtering other S-rank hunters left and right. He manages to save the Korean hunters, all but one, the healer Min Young-gu, who he temporarily brings back to life with his like shadow extraction in order to save another hunter. What was her name? I don't remember her name. <laughs> There's a lot of names I don't remember because I'm just not familiar with Korean Cha- names. Yeah, Cha Han In. Cha Han In. Who she makes... Who I had a gripe about because she makes a impact here about the... Like, she was very interested in our main character. And then... Okay, this is going to be a little bit spoilers for the next season. It's not too big of a spoiler. But, like, she's she seems so important for, like, two to three chapters... Maybe, like, a little bit more. Like, she's going to be a reoccurring character. And then she's now nowhere to be seen for, the like, the next 20 to 30 chapters. It kind of bugged yeah, me. And yeah, it was I believe, <laughs> frustrating. I think what was funny was when I mentioned this to you, literally the next chapter, she came back. Yeah. And I'm just like... <laughs> like, oops, I guess, okay, guess okay. I'm wrong. But, anyways, going back to the, the raid, he finally is able to... He defeats this ant person who ends up becoming Beru? Benru? B-E-R-U. How do you, how would you I would say pronounce that? Beru. Beru? Like yeah, Beru. He becomes he once he becomes his shadow monster, he actually becomes a very lovable creature. I he's actually one of my favorite. I love Egress. Yeah. Don't get me wrong, but like because he can't speak yet, I love uh how Biru uh, interacts with Jin Wan. It, it's so great. But, yeah, he's, so, a fun, he's a fun one. He's a very fun character. We finally end the season at the funeral of Min Young Gyu. Sorry if I'm butchering <laughs> your name. And he actually gets contacted by the States, United States. They have a person named Norma Selner, a hunter who can upgrade other hunters past their abilities. Because if you remember, when I used to say B-Ranks would only stay at B-Ranks, she actually awakened to a power she can basically make you go up one rank. So if you were already an S-Rank hunter, imagine basically you could become like a National Rank hunter, which is like the top of the top. 
And so, in order, the reason why they introduced them is they're trying to get bring him over to become a United States hunter. But he's very clear, like made us like I'm going to stay in Korea. So they're like, well, how about we give you a taste of the power, and then you can come back and we'll give you the like full upgrade. So he's like, all right, there's nothing to lose. Well, when she does this. We find out when she looks into him, all she's able to see is darkness. So that's kind of how it ends with season one. I think it was really cool because we get a little bit foreshadowing and kind of insight to what the origin of his powers is with being the shadow monarch. Oh, excuse me. The Shadow Monarch. But I highly... I really suggest you guys read this because there are a lot of details. A lot of, like, kind of, like... They may seem minor details, but they always come back. Like, when they decide to focus on something, you know something... Like, it's going to have some kind of importance or bring back in a later day. Definitely the job change arc. I suggest the whole arc because... That whole dungeon is pretty cool. And you kind of sets the foundation of his powers and everything and what's to go through. The Red Gate, when he fights the Snow Elves, is another really cool one. You get to introduce a little bit more about the system. The Demon Castle, fighting the Demon Lord. You learn a little bit more about like the hidden lore into that. And then obviously the ending with the, the Island Raid are all like key points if you at least want to see the action read those those are really good but honestly once you start reading it i feel like you guys are going to get addicted and go but this is only to chapter 110 like i mentioned there's 170 so season two is already out and if i'm not mistaken it might actually be coming to a close soon yeah or i i think it has an ending already so you know we're going to be doing a season two of this. Yes, they seem like they're coming to a conclusion of this season. Like, it's it's getting close, and it's making me nervous. Oh, it's making me extremely nervous. <laughs> but yeah. do you have any last comments before no, we get I just, to the question and the facts? I, one thing that I just want to say that I love about this manhwa is how beautiful it is. That's one thing like oh, I yeah. really love about Korean like manhwa is the fact that they use color so it makes the fight scenes and just scenes in general just absolutely gorgeous so looking at this reading this it was such a visually appealing thing so even if there are scenes that might seem a little slow or something at times just looking at it still makes it so enjoyable although i feel like this one there wasn't too many slow points more in the beginning but once you start getting towards the second half of this season everything just picks up and it gets so much better oh i completely agree because like if you recall like kind of a lot of our things was like oh he got through one trouble and into the next trouble there's like a few chapters in between that kind of like gives you a little background thing to me i i feel maybe just because i've been playing some DD, it's almost like a DD session where you prepare then you fight, prepare, fight, yeah. prepare, fight. It's almost like that. So the slow moments don't feel so slow. 
but they also give you a lot of information mm-hmm. too about the world and it doesn't feel like there's really any filler yeah i completely agree the beginning might be a little slow but think of it like you just started an rpg or like something like that where you're slow to progress into like the main story or like end game stuff to where you only get the the tutorial but then like once you get past that threshold then it's kind of like like i said you kind of speed up he gets he powers up gets to a point where he needs to power up again he does so gets to a point where he needs to power up again he does so so it's like a slow incline of him becoming powerful mm-hmm. exactly what he's supposed to be he doesn't start like all powerful yeah and, but, really but they do the leveling up system well enough to where he's not overpowered he is he struggles sometimes so it makes it to where it's not like oh he's just gonna keep winning fights i mean you assume he is but like it's enough to where you're like is he gonna win this fight type of thing in certain areas so they they do it really well because it's a really a hard thing to not break because there are some that like they just op not good type of not characters. struggle like yeah. like here he struggles mm-hmm. like i think if i'm not mistaken there was like one fight he doesn't struggle i won't tell you which and even though that fight he didn't really struggle how they portrayed him in that fight i was like this is amazing this is definitely like I can't say it because I don't want to spoil which yeah. fight it is. And I might have already spoiled it based on my information already. But yeah, let's. Just, I'm just going to leave it at that. <laughs> yeah. So overall, it, it's just over a really good manhwa. And I highly recommend it. That's about it. And for my question of the day is, for those of you who have read it, or you guys can always come back after you read it, would you want to be a Shadow Monarch or what type of hunter would you be? Personally, I would absolutely love to be a Shadow Monarch. I oh, love yeah. the idea of necromancy. I'm actually even a necromancer in my D&D campaign right now. And the instead of being like skeletons and everything, the whole idea of shadows of creatures, not to mention they can level up. I'm just like, I just love this whole idea of a power in general. So 100% would be a yeah, I would too. There's no doubt. It's just OP. It's wonderful. I would definitely like. Do. Even if I didn't have the quest like things, but I could still become like a shadow monarch and at least able to raise that skill up to where I could get like more shadows and everything. So if that like job exists to where you can still level up and everything, even without like the whole having his system power just being the shadow monarch i would 100 yeah do. agreed all right so let's uh do some facts real quick and that'll be it for this episode so dnc media and cacao entertainment recently decided to actually start producing a game with net marble so that that's gonna be really exciting because I feel like this is a really good one for a game, too, because of that user interface. So it basically already has a leveling up system in the Manwa that just would translate over to a game really well, so it works out. But in addition, uh, there are negotiations with an American studio to actually start producing an anime and air it through the world-class online video service, OOT. Um, So... 
yeah, it's reported that some famous companies, including Warner Brothers, are showing interest in this. And I am extremely excited about this. Just like I said earlier, it's going to be so fun to watch these fight scenes again, but actually animated. And the the visual aspects of it, I hope, are going to be very appealing, just like the manhwa is. Also, one thing, we mentioned it briefly in our previous episode about video game movies, which you should definitely go and listen to, if you haven't already, of the Uncharted series getting yes. an adaptation. I feel like if that also does well as the recent video game movies have actually been faring pretty well, that this may actually include some interest in Warner Brothers. Not to mention the Demon Slayer movie that did so well mm-hmm. that we also did a podcast on that you should definitely go watch. <laughs> yes. Also, I just want to, since you brought up the Uncharted, they actually released their first trailer recently. Oh my god, I saw that! Week. It looks so good. Like com- they did a side by side of, or I've seen a side by side of the video game scene of what they recreated in the movie. In this, oh, trailer. I didn't see that. Yeah, it's a side by side, and it is like actually very impressive. I mean, the scene's unrealistic, but I'm not looking for super realism because the game is not realistic either. So, the fact that it's very accurate to how this game scene plays out makes me really excited. And at least I know the action scenes are probably going to be on point. So pretty excited about that. So yeah, thank you for bringing that up. So another fact, so at its core, solo leveling follows the same structure as all the other manuals out there and web comics. And that is not being separated into individual pages. Readers will actually need to continuously scroll down a page to read more. It's basically like a really long page. <laughs> All one giant page. You're just scrolling the entire time. So this can be kind of off-putting for some readers. I thought it was weird. And it's kind of weird because sometimes they have really long scenes. So it takes up a little bit of, like, a little more than the screen. So it's kind of yeah. strange. But um, I actually enjoy it because it makes it seem like it's just a continuous story instead of flipping pages. So it's, it's a nice just change from Japanese manga and Western comics. So I like that. But in addition... Solo leveling also follows the same style of reading as Western comics, which is reading from left to right, up to down. So, manga readers, if you do end up reading this, keep that in mind so you don't start reading things backwards. So, I think you to- would understand it after like a chapter or two, but yeah. I remember the first time I read it, like I had to reread like the I think the first chapter because I'm like or like a little bit and I'm just like none of this what? makes sense. I was like, "Wait a minute." Is it actually reading left to right? Yeah, you're like, is this English? What? <laughs> so, yeah, good thing to keep in mind when, when reading it. And then finally, Soul Leveling has accumulated over 620 million domestic views. So, I think it's needless to say that it's a pretty popular manhwa. It also holds a record of up to 1.5 million views per day. So, they're... They're killing it. So it is a webtoon that has been very popular in Japan, North America, China, Southeast Asia, beyond Korea as ought even. So like not just Korea, but most of Southeast Asia and is serving as the vanguard of K webtoon. So 
it's it's killing it and this is why it got the the possibility of a tv series and a producing a video game because it is just absolutely insane and i'm really happy because most webtoons and like manwas that are posted online are posted for free because they're it's just such an oversaturated market that you can't really sell them because you would never get views so most of these are free so the fact that this is in the works makes me really happy because it's getting some of the uh credit that it deserves and possibly some revenue from this and in january there was a petition to make solo leveling into the into an animation that was uploaded to the u.s online position site change.org and 180,000 people participated and signed it in about a month. And in Brazil and Germany, in the first week of the book's release, it reached number one on the Amazon comic book category. So it's just blowing it out of the water. And I think it's a good thing to just tell you guys about. And just I'm, I'm just happy because it means there's going to be more. And I hate you, but I also... I'm happy that you made me get into this, <laughs> Bobby. Yeah, because I think I got you into it like before season ago. one ended. Yeah, before season one ended. So we both had to struggle for that mm-hmm. few mo- between March and August when it wasn't uploaded. I'm just like, yeah. oh. And then when it came back, now we messaged each other, like literally every... Did you read it? <laughs> is it? Is it what? Like, is it Saturday or Tuesday? I think it's Tuesday. I think it's... Yeah, I thought it was Tuesday too. And like... After I'll wait till like five or six o'clock to make sure like if you had stuff to do or whatnot, I'll be like, "Yo, did you read it yet? Did you read it yet?" Yeah. God. Man, it is so good, and I hate you for getting me into it, but at the same time, I know you've been suffering for like four years (laughs) reading it every week. So, and it the pain the pain sucks, but it's worth it. But uh, yeah. So I th- I think that'll be it for this episode. So don't forget to show us some love and support at patreon.com slash weepswan. And of course, don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at weepswan. And you can contact us at weepswan at gmail.com. I've been your host, Bobby. And I'm Joshua. And we will see you guys next time when we weep spawn. <laughs> <laughs>